I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. We hope you are surviving your quarantine and uh, staying safe inside. Uh, We're on to, I think, week three-ish now of uh, most of us being stuck inside. I know Wisconsin is undergoing some uh, changes here in the next couple days, so hopefully everyone is safe and at home and enjoying their maybe some low time. Uh, But unfortunately for us, it seems like it's time to start to close the yearbook on the 2020 college basketball season. It, It still doesn't seem real that March Madness is not happening, but it isn't. It's not coming back, so it's time for us to get into some off-season stuff. Uh, and on today's show, we're going to start that by doing a grading process. We did not do this for the football season, but uh, it's a little easier to do with the basketball roster, kind of go through, hand out grades for uh, each player, uh, coaching staff, team, stuff like that. And then uh, later on, we'll get into our, you know, later on next week, or uh, maybe on our Thursday episode, we'll do an award show like we did for the football season. Just to mix it up, give you guys some content now that the 2020 season, uh, 2019-2020 season, I should say, has come and gone. So, Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, got some groceries today. That was pretty much the highlight of the day. Um, but it's just kind of uh, an odd time, surreal in a lot of ways, but uh, it's given some time to get some stuff down around the house um, and whatnot. But definitely a lack of sports is a little tough at this moment for, for most fans, um, myself included. So uh, how are you doing? Hanging in there. Yeah, it's starting to it's starting to feel a little weird. It seems like sports were uh, a thing that were you know around quite a long time ago, but it's really only been a, a couple weeks and uh, everybody's just kind of getting through it at the at their own pace and their own time and uh it, it's a little weird, but at the end of the day, it's it's still the right thing, but it's definitely, you know, this past weekend I had a couple moments, uh, you know, like late Late Saturday night, where I was like, "Man, I bet you there would be a, a a good March Madness game on right now." And 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 when you just didn't think about it, it wasn't a big deal. But when you when you think about you know the memories of March Madness and, and the Thursdays and the Fridays uh, of not having it, it's uh, it's a tough one. But at the end of the day, it's it's time for me to uh, accept it, and and we'll get into some uh, off season stuff, which is which is still exciting to talk about because. Uh, there's not a lot of sports going on, but you can still kind of talk about the college basketball season, which is which is nice enough. Yeah, and I mean, and it's it's weird because the the basketball season was cut short, but then you you look back to 
how long the college basketball season was this year because they actually had uh, the like Big Ten Media Day was a little earlier this year compared to where it normally is. So the season was kind of stretched out uh, even farther than normal and then eventually just cut short on just like a haphazard basis. So it's just uh, we're just kind of getting through everything here just like fans are trying to uh, ruminate on what happened this past season and, and kind of also look to the future eventually. Yep, yep, it's time to do that, and uh, unfortunately, uh, it's just time to close that yearbook, and we'll get into the off-season stuff, but like you said, it, it was a it was a long season, a fun season, and they, thankfully for the Badgers, it ended in a, a pretty positive note, like we've touched on a little bit already in the past couple episodes. Uh, for some teams, it could have ended a lot worse than the way the Badgers did with their, you know, their winning streak coming in, playing some of the best basketball in the country. I think that allows them to, you know, find some positives out of uh, a tough end of the season and an abrupt end of the season. But it builds for 2020-2021 as this team will look to be exciting. But we'll get into this year's roster. Um, and, and we're, we're going to go through and hand out grades for each player. Uh, I will say we're going to stick to the rotation guys. Uh, we'll maybe touch on some of the guys that were – part of the bench mob, bench squad, whatever you want to call them at the end. But for right now, the grades and everything will uh, will stick to the you know eight deep that the batters went at times. There's a pretty clear cutoff uh, for Greg Gard and his squad with uh, Trevor Anderson kind of being the last one. So we'll start with him, Matt. Trevor Anderson, a, a quality player off the bench, got into 31 uh, games, only averaged about 12.3 minutes. So wasn't a huge contributor, uh, but a solid role play player for the Badgers. Where, what would you grade uh, Trevor Anderson for this past season? Yeah, I mean, for his role and uh, the way in which he came off the bench, you know, missing most of the season prior because of that knee injury, he he was, was kind of a, a mixed bag throughout the year. I thought that he did a really nice job when Wisconsin struggled at times. To, to come in and kind of give them a jolt of energy. He was able to kind of uh, allow, uh, after Kobe King left, allow the team to to kind of deal with things when Trice wasn't available to be on the court, although he played a, a crazy amount of minutes. Um, Anderson kind of fell in there to also spare Brad Davison or Brevin Pritzel um, just because they, they had so few scholarship guards that were um, able and willing to play. Um, so I think Trevor Anderson – I would say somewhere in the B minus uh, C plus range. Um, I think he he did what he needed to do. I don't think he had any any sort of like splash plays where he was just out of this world or um, anything like that. Um, but he did a good job of of keeping the offense moving. At, at times, uh, he he's more of a, a dribble drive guy where he can get in the paint, make things happen uh, with the pass. You know, I think back to that Ohio State game where he had. Uh, eight points and 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 really kind of elevated them by hitting a couple key three pointers or that Rutgers game um, in the first go round where they uh, he had 11 points. You know he he had times when he really helped the team, um, but at the same time I think his limitations defensively and and what he can do with shooting the ball uh, make it so that I can't go too much higher than that range. Yeah, I know. I totally agree with you. I had him written down as a, a C plus B, um, whichever way you want to curve it. I think uh, if he was a high C plus, I'd round it up to 
you know, a B minus that way. He was, like you said, solid for his role. Um, I think back to, uh, I, I was trying to think of maybe comparisons to who else Trevor Anderson was kind of like in that role. And I thought of maybe like an early Ben Bruss, like Ben Bruss sophomore year before he really played much, he kind of came off and, and seemed to give the team a little bit of that spark. Uh, not necessarily a big scorer, but a guy that, you know, you mentioned dribble drive, could come in off the bench. Uh, and give you some quality minutes, move the offense. So I kind of compared him uh, to that, and I thought the B range would be good for him, uh, especially I don't think – a lot of this was, for me, was was tough on taking away my expectations for the player and also, you know, not looking at just the stats. You know, you've got to try and find that happy medium because uh, there were some guys where I had higher expectations for and some guys that I had lower expectations for. I didn't have – Super high expectations for Trevor Anderson coming into the season. I don't think anyone who follows Wisconsin basketball would. It's not a knock on him. You just kind of knew he was going to probably be that eighth guy, uh, maybe a little bigger role than what he expected. But um, So B range for me is, is a solid one to put it because I didn't have huge expectations, but I think he did a, a solid job on contributing when he got out on the floor. Yeah, and I mean, another good comparison is going to be like Zach Showalter when he was a sophomore. Yep. Um, another kid who came in without the without the full ride um, and kind of worked his way into a bigger role. Um, I think um, Trevor Anderson is a little bit more limited to what than what Zach Showalter eventually turned into uh, in his career. Um, but I'm interested to see kind of how Zach Show or I'm not Zach Showalter um, how. Um, Trevor Anderson um, is able to fit into the rotation next year just because there's going to be um, some guards who are going to be pushing into that role. I mean, Pretzel's gone, but then you have a guy like Johnny Davis who's a combo guard who can play, um, you know, and, and help out in the guard positions um, a couple different spots. But then you also have Lauren Bowman who you are probably going to want to get some playing time with as well just because he's going to be your likely starting point guard as a – as a um, sophomore. So there, there's a lot of moving pieces, and I'm interested to see kind of how he's utilized next year. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And that uh, I think that aspect of Anderson is something to definitely watch for as you get into next season. And it's going to be kind of similar for this next player because uh, he was one who kind of burst on the a little bit. The uh, some Sorry, I've got some ESPN ad playing in the background as I'm looking up uh, stats for Tyler Wall. Um, he was a, a player that I don't think, you know, we're talking about preseason expectations. I didn't expect really anything out of Tyler Wall. And, and early in the season when the Badgers really seemed to need it, he was a kid that came off the bench, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You could tell he was a young kid, uh, you know, playing as an underclassman, but what did you make of, of Wall's season? Because he kind of had, you know, a really strong early part of the season, burst onto the scene, but then down the stretch uh, kind of got limited in his role. So what did you make of, of Wall's overall 2019-20 season? Yeah, I mean, he was kind of thrown to the fire, like you said, um, especially when early on when Micah Potter wasn't uh, a fixture in the rotation. Uh, Wisconsin was really light uh, in – front court help and so he kind of was thrown in there he's more of a small forward but he was asked to kind of play that power forward role he's not to the size that you would want yet for that I mean he is six foot seven but just I mean he's only 214 215 pounds so he's got to add some some brawn to him um but it's 
think brings some 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 big time energy. Uh, you look back to the NC State game; he had five points, eight rebounds, and he did he really battles. Uh, he, he's a player who sometimes is a little out of control offensively, where he because he's limited with the jump shot, he instead really tries to to focus on dribbling, and he gets locked into the corner sometimes um, and trapped, which can lead to turnovers. Um, and, and while I know a lot of people are going to want him to take to rein that in and be more controlled, I think that's just the way he plays, and that would take away from what he does defensively and getting rebounds and his aggressiveness. So I think the big thing for him is if he can continue to get a shot, it would really help him. Um, overall, I think he's another guy I would go with B minus. I I was expecting him to to play. Uh, this year, I didn't know how much, um, but overall, you know, he, he had an, a decent season. He did tail off towards the end just when uh, Wisconsin kind of uh, nailed down the rotation a little bit more. You saw his time go down. You know, he started that Michigan State game, struggled um, throughout it, and then uh, Minnesota played a bunch. But then you kind of saw his playing time go down uh, as the season wore on just because a lot of the other players were playing so well and they really tightened down that rotation when things were clicking for the Badgers. So I would say B-minus again. I, I, I actually think he had a better year than um, Trevor Anderson just because of what he was able to do in the little things with rebounding and and uh, just the hustle plays that he created. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair grade for him. I mean, he was a kid that – uh, in the role that he was put in, I think that gives him a little bit more credit uh, simply because he was playing out of position a lot of times. Uh, he, he wasn't necessarily built for that, but I, I think the aspect of him doing what Greg Gard asked of him, uh, putting him in an uncomfortable position it's such, as such a young player, I, I think that you know owes him some credit. So I, I had him as a B-minus as well. Uh, I had it written C-plus, you know, same range. If he would have, you know, kept up that role and, and played more down the stretch, it probably would have been higher. Uh, but for the role that he was thrown in, you know, early on in that season, uh, that that NC State game was definitely his best game. He was excellent on the glass and, and really kind of emerged in that. But after that uh, road trip to Iowa where he played uh, a decent amount, you really saw him drop off. And that's not necessarily a knock on him. Uh, like you mentioned, there was a lot of guys playing incredibly well. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't take minutes away from them to work in uh, a guy like Tyler Wall because he is a little limited in his offensive play, but he's also pretty young. So I think seeing how they develop and grow from next year, he's going to be one that I think a lot of people have eyes on because if he can develop his game a little bit more, you know, get a jump shot, get consistent offensive play to couple with his hustle you know, his heart and his defensive effort. He, he's a really exciting player to look at. Uh, just sort of dropped off, you know, not really a, a knock on himself uh, at the end of the season. So it, it, he's an exciting prospect uh, for next season, I would say. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of got uh, a Bruschewitz mold to him where he's going to be a guy who's going to do all the dirty work, um, be versatile in who he can defend, what he can do for the team. Um, but he's never going to be the, hey, I'm going to be a 16-point scorer. But if, if he could um, consistently find a niche in the team and, and be a, you know, a six, seven-point guy, um, grab, you know, five, six rebounds, I think that would go a long way in helping this team because you need players who are going to be able to come off the bench and help you that way. And eventually he's going to be a kid who could start 
Um, I doubt he starts next year, but the year after that, I think he, he's going to be a guy who's going to have a bigger role as a junior and senior and really could blossom into um, a kid who can score in, in the in the lower teens or maybe, you know, around that 10-point range and and do some damage both inside and, then, like you said, if he gets a jump shot, look out. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that you need on a on a college basketball roster. You need a guy that's going to go in, uh, do the things that uh, not everybody finds glorious or, or glamorous. Uh, you need a guy who's going to get in there and and grab rebounds and and play hard defense and get after loose balls. And and Tyler Wall, I think, can be more than that. Uh, but he did a good job of in his role this past season. And I think uh, as he develops, he'll be that gl- kind of a glue guy that you need. Uh, as the season rolls on and as his career rolls on, because he's he's going to be a part of this Wisconsin squads for the next two three seasons, no doubt. So he's going to be an exciting prospect to look for. All right, let's get into some guys that are you know a little bit heavier in the rotation. We we cut it off at, at Wall and Anderson. Both of those average 12 and 15 minutes respectively. So they were in the rotation, but they weren't uh, necessarily established guy. Because the next guy. Uh, up in terms of minutes, what was Aleem Ford? Um, so we'll get into his discussion next. Uh, Aleem, for me, early in the season was was struggle. I, I I would love to see if we had early season grades compared to now, because there were some guys that did really well early in the season, some guys that did really well down the stretch, and Ford was certainly one of them. Uh, up and down season for Aleem Ford, but where did you have him? as uh, the Badgers really finished up their season and, and him playing some of his best basketball. Yeah, I mean, I went with the B-plus for him. I, I think you had mentioned uh, kind of his ebbs and flows this year. He actually played really well, I thought, the first few games. It was it was that middle section once yep. there was the transition to Big Ten play um, from the first Ohio State game till basically the Michigan State game. He, he did very little, um, struggled a lot. That was kind of um, also um, along the time when Kobe King left. And when Kobe King left, you saw him really explode and have a really um, bigger role. Um, prior to that point, he was only averaging, you know, 20 minutes, sometimes in the teens, um, even though he was uh, a starter. But then later on, you saw his minutes just really balloon and him be more efficient. Um, he was a better scorer. He still had a couple games, like the Nebraska and the Rutgers games, where he didn't shoot particularly well. But he was he was, he was was 10-plus points in most of those games to uh, finish the season and played extremely well. I think um, if he could be more consistent, like he was at the beginning of the year, like he was at the end of the year, um, we're looking at a really good player who's going to be able to help this team a lot next year. I thought he improved tremendously um, in his ability to shoot. He struggled last year um, as he was kind of dealing with injuries. But then he also did a much better job on the boards, um, especially uh, the latter stage of the season. I mean, his he he hadn't um, broken five rebounds um prior to or for most of the season, but then you see from the Nebraska the Ohio State game down nine, ten, seven, four, eight, six, eight, four. So he's doing a better job on the boards, something they need to for him. Um, you know, he's a stretch four, um and and he's not uh, a super big, strong guy. He's gotten a lot stronger, but at six eight he's gotta do a better job on the boards and I think he think he did a much better job with that and he did a better job defensively something that he really struggled with early in his career so overall I'm going to go with a b plus for him I think he's made tremendous strides and I'm excited to see what 
he brings to the table next year. Yeah, I like that great. I had him as a B, uh, a solid B there. Um, I, I think the last 10 games stretch after the departure of Kobe King really uh, boosted Ford's grade. You mentioned that middle stretch of the season was brutal for him. Uh, and we've, we've seen that in the past with him where when he's struggling, he's really struggling. But when he's playing well, he's, he's really playing well. And after that uh, at Iowa game, when all the Aleem, or uh, excuse me, the Kobe King stuff started to really come out, things, uh, you know, eventually took that downward turn where King left the program. He stepped into that role and, and played really well. In the six of those last ten games, you mentioned it a little bit already, he, he had, you know, and scored in double figures. So uh, I, I really applauded his effort for that. I think his jump shot, uh, he really found his confidence in that. Uh, you, you can see it when Aleem Ford is feeling it and, and feeling his shot that it looks really strong and confident. And I think that developed well, but you hit the nail on the head in terms of uh, the defensive effort because that was the part where you you've seen bursts from Kobe or I keep calling him Kobe King from Liam Ford in the past uh, where he plays really well offensively, but the defensive end he he was a liability. I think he really uh, turned things around on the defensive end, and I think coming into next year, if you can. You know, come in and, and put in 10 points a game and, and grab some rebounds with his height and play excellent defense. He'll be a, a really key piece for this team next year. So if he continues to develop and improve in this new role that he's going to kind of have next season, it's going to be uh, exciting to see. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For sure. I think he's, he's a guy who, who has a lot of potential. Um, and he's a guy who's continuing to improve. I think if he can continue to improve his ability to get to the rim, that would really help this team because he is he can be a really good um, three-point shooter when he's on. And if he can kind of get that inside-outside game more going, he, he's, he's a really viable threat for this offense. Most definitely. All right, who do we got next here? The next player that I have written down is the one of the two seniors in Brevin Pritzel. Brevin Pritzel, uh, obviously the unfortunate end to his career, uh, given a lot to the Wisconsin Badgers over his four seasons. Really, if you look at his career, very up and down. Um, but I think in the end, it, it ended pretty solid for him, You know, given the circumstances. Of course, we wanted to see Brevin Pritzel play in the NCAA tournament in his last season, but to get a share of the Big Ten title, and the way he did, and him playing pretty well down the stretch uh, was exciting to watch. So what did you make of Brevin Pritzel's senior season? How do you think he impacted the team as kind of uh, 
not necessarily a vocal leader, but uh, kind of a leader by example in uh, carrying and, and help leading this team as one of the really the only guy in the rotation that was uh, you know that senior senior leadership. Yeah, I, I think he had a good season. He he's a guy that. Um, did a lot of really good things. He was really good at te- keeping track of the ball. Very rarely had turnovers. Um, he played a lot of minutes, especially down the stretch. Um, after Kobe King left, he was the guy who probably benefited the most in terms of playing time. Uh, you, you saw him going from a guy who was in the lower 20s um, on average to, to basically the, the mid to upper 30s. Um, for most of the season, uh, especially I think back to that Michigan State game uh, where he and um, Demetrius Trice played both 39-plus minutes um, and really kind of kept things afloat for the Badgers as Brad Davison was off uh, off on his suspension. Kobe King had just left the program. Um, but he really had some, some great games. Uh, he didn't have necessarily the 30 points uh, games like like a Brad Davison or a Dimitri Trice, but he, he was a guy who was good for um, 13 to 15 a couple nights a week. And then, you know, he would also couple that with having maybe a three-point or a two-point game. Um, but at the same time, when you have a three-guard rotation, and, and we talked about how him and Brad Davison can kind of pulley off of one another, um, where one of them can step up and when one guy's on, the other guy doesn't have to be necessarily in. And I thought Pritzel did a good job with that. I'll give him a B. I think he had a, a pretty good season. He he was still not aggressive enough for my liking at times. Um, he he's the was the best three-point shooter they've got on their team. They'll miss that aspect of his game next year. But I, I think he did a lot in terms of rebounding. You know, I think back to that Marquette game where he had 15-13 mm-hmm. and – you see just what he was able to do um, in the rebounding, free throw shooting, um, as well as just holding down some minutes when when a guy like um, Kobe King left uh, really helped this team and, and gave them a good jolt because he hit some really clutch shots. Um, I'm thinking that Ohio State game um, yeah. on the road where he drilled that corner three. I'm thinking that uh, Minnesota game, the second go-round where he had 15 points and hit another corner three. I mean, if they could just put that dude in the cement in a corner three, have him run off the bench quick and, and drill it, and then run back to the bench, he'd be a he'd be about a seventy five percent shooter. But um, I think I think he's a guy that they'll miss a little bit next year because of his shooting stroke. But um, at the same time, I, I think he he gets a B for me just because he wasn't uh, exceptional on defense. He but he did a lot of really good things. And um, if he was more consistent, I probably would have bumped him up to closer to an A range. Yeah, I agree with you. I had him as a B minus, and I think the biggest thing for me was was looking through some of his game logs. And you mentioned the inconsistently, uh, the inconsistent play. Uh, the, you know, like I look at the at Penn State three points, Maryland three points, at Michigan State two points, but then against Nebraska, uh, the the following game in that stretch put in twelve. So. It was just a matter of, of him finding confidence. I know Brevin Pritzel sometimes with a shot would, would lose confidence and then find it, and next thing you know, he's, he's knocking down threes like he did uh, in that game against Ohio State at home or on the road, two of his better games of the season. Uh, but then you look at, uh, you know, at Minnesota, zero points, comes back the next week uh, at home against Ohio State and puts in 19. So... I think if Brevin Pritzel were to have a season like he did where he was putting in 10, 12 points a game more consistently, he would have definitely been higher. 
but also I don't want to knock him too much because he he was he thrust into a different role after the departure of Kobe King. I think he did a good job of handling that. I think when the Badgers really needed a clutch shot, he was the guy. You mentioned his three point shooting. They're, they're going to miss that desperately. Um, and and really, I just was always a fan of Revan Pristel. Uh, I, I think he gave it all for four years, and and I think you can't really grade his performance this year based on his career, but you don't see very often guys stick around for, you know, three, four years in, in college basketball anymore. So to see a kid, you know, come out and, and give it his all uh, for four seasons for a program is pretty special. And so I had him as a B minus, but it's definitely going to be, you know, a fan favorite that'll be missed next season, both on and off the court, because he was a, a strong leader and an exceptionally strong shooter at some times this season, which uh, the Badgers will need to look to replace uh, next fall, winter. All right, guys, we're going to keep getting into our grades, but we're going to go ahead and get some of these ad reads out of the way before we do that. So stick around with us. We're going to give it uh, a couple quick ads, and then we'll get back into our rotation. All right, guys, we're going through our men's basketball grades for the 2019-20 season. We've talked about a couple rotation players already in Aleem Ford and Brevin Pritzel. Uh, but the next guy I want to talk about is the what some people would call uh, the MVP of the season, depending on uh, how you grade it, and that's Micah Potter, a kid that uh, got an unfair shake from the NCAA last season. Uh, really, things couldn't have gone worse for him early in the season with trying to get eligible, doing whatever he could, kind of being a class act. But when he did get out on the floor, uh, I – I think he was the best player on the floor for the Badgers a lot of times. So how would you grade Micah Potter's uh, half season, I guess you could say, uh, just seeing what he did in the limited amount of you know time that he got with this team this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when he came into the fold, that really changed this entire team. It changed them in a, in a major way. It allowed a guy like Nate Reavers to not have to do it all in the post. Um, it allowed Wisconsin to um, kind of pulley system those two in and out and allowed Nate Reavers to catch a break. Uh, or if Nate Reavers wasn't um, on or if he was in foul trouble, they had a guy to turn to. Um, Micah Potter was a walking bucket for a good chunk of that of the season. Um, you know, he was second leading scorer behind Reavers, and, which is kind of crazy when you consider the fact that he only played in 20 games. You know, he got three starts. But he really only played 18 minutes a game um, on average. And I know some of that's skewed by uh, only playing seven minutes against Tennessee um, as he struggled with foul trouble. But I think if he, if he improves his defense, he's going to be a force in the Big Ten. He's a guy that uh, too often struggles with screens um, and with his footwork. But in terms of the pick and roll, the dude's a beast. Uh, him and Demetrius Trice have a really good connection. Um, in terms of the pick and roll or the pick and pop, he can do it either way. He's got a really pretty jumper. You know, he, he just doesn't miss, miss a beat. He catches it high, shoots it high. Um, I, I think he needs to also work on that inside where keeping the ball high instead of taking an unnecessary dribble. But I, I think I think in terms of what he brought to this team, he was the MVP in my eyes. Uh, but I because of his defensive liability, I, I'm still going to go with the B-plus for him. Um, I, I think it, it was telling that he wasn't on the court a lot of times when it was crunch time um, because of what his defensive limitations. 
and what he um, couldn't do on that defensive end. Um, I mean, the dude basically won the Penn State game for the Badgers, you know, putting up 24 and 13 um, as Nate Reavers wasn't able to get much of anything going. Um, and, and, and he had some just phenomenal games down the stretch. You know, I'm thinking the Rutgers-Michigan games and not to be outdone, the Indiana game where he had those huge rebounds, uh, 14 points and 11 rebounds, and those two offensive rebounds late in the game, the one where he was able to get it back up and, and get the hoop in the harm, and then the other one where he got it back out to Brad Davis and hit that dagger three-pointer. Um, I, I think B-plus is where I'm going to put him. It could very easily, I could understand, getting in the A range, but um, just the, the defense needs to be better, and I know he'll work on that. Um, and part of that is just getting familiarized with Greg Gard's defensive system. But just uh, I, I couldn't go above a B-plus for him. Yeah, that's fair. I had him as an A-minus. I think just his his pure uh, leadership and, you know, kind of giving this team a spark when they needed it, especially off the ba- off the bench uh, as a scorer, but also uh, was just one of those heart guys that I think uh, he didn't get enough credit for some of that at times. Uh, you mentioned the Penn State game where he was incredible, you know, both scoring and rebounding the ball. Uh, but I think just you know, given his his role or la- lack of role early in the season due to the NCAA uh, and their ridiculous rules, I think he he really got an unfair shake and it was hard for him to get into a rhythm. And despite that, and despite all the struggles of learning a new system. And, and getting worked into a rotation and not being able to play for what a lot of us see as silly reasons, I think he was uh, incredible for this team given all of that. And uh, to be the new guy coming into a program when you've had guys like Pritzel and Davison and Trice that have been there for years, I, I think at times I was a little worried that uh, you know Micah Potter maybe you know how would he come in and mesh with these guys and. It didn't seem to to miss a beat because you mentioned the connection with Demetric Trice. I, I think those two can be lethal next season on the offensive end. Uh, it's just a matter of getting better on defense. And, and I think Micah Potter's the type of kid that uh, attitude-wise, he's going to work on that. I think if if you ask him what he wants to get better at this offseason, that'll be one of the first things he tells you because he knows late in those games he's going to want to be out there. And, and to do that in Greg Gard's system – you've got to be solid defensively. And I think that was the the one big knock on Micah Potter was that late in those games, it, it was hard to work him in because you couldn't have him in there on the defensive end, but at the same time he was he was a guy who could catch fire on the offensive end. So managing that fine line was a hard thing to do. So I gave him an A- just simply because of, of what he went through and, and what he provided off the bench. But I could totally see a B plus because that defense at times was was a a liability, and you couldn't you couldn't have him out there, and it's it, that's just the way it was. Yeah, I mean he's he's a great sixth man. Um, I think next year he'll have a, a opportunity to start. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they they go a bigger lineup and and put um, Ford to the three, especially if Ford is able to do some some more off the dribble. Um, but I, but I think. If he can work on that footwork in terms of defensive um, positioning, look out because he, he's a he's a guy who could be all Big Ten type thing, um, just because of how advanced he is offensively. Most definitely, I cannot wait to see what uh, what he brings to the table next season. He'll be exciting to watch, as will uh, a lot of these guys. It's it's exciting to see how many players are going to be returning for this team. 
All right, the next player that I've got written down is a guy who's been around for years. Uh, controversy has certainly followed him at times with some uh, questionable plays, but uh, he's a fan favorite. If you're a Badger fan, he's a mortal enemy. If you're uh, anyone else, and that's Brad Davison, if you guys couldn't have already guessed. Um, up and down season a lot, but there were times where Davison could, could really take over a game scoring-wise. Uh, he, you know, he had 24 and 30 point outputs against in Nebraska, 20 points against uh, Minnesota. Played really well at stretches in the season and, and could really get hot and score quickly at times. But there were other times where Brad Davison went, you know, ice cold. There were a couple games where he was scoring uh, in the in the single digits. I remember that stretch of I think it was at Purdue and, and Iowa and Minnesota where he. Had you know you know two four and I think like six points when I was looking at so yeah it's up, per, two up and down it's like him, two right. four 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 because then he even had four against Ohio State right after that so right. before he exploded for that Nebraska game right yeah so up and down season for Davison in a lot of ways uh, but still a pretty key player for this team and if you want to talk about heart and hustle I know other fan bases. Don't care for it, but but that's the definition of, of Brad Davison. So, what did you make of his uh, season this year? Yeah, I mean, he he's a quandary just because of he he does so many good things for the program. Um, you know, Greg Gard routinely calls him the heartbeat of the team. Um, you know, he always brings the energy. Um, even if he can't get his shot going, he he's going to do the little things um, in the rebounding assists. In, in, in Steele's department, he's going to draw charges. He's going to um, lock down on some really tough shooting guards in the Big Ten. Um, but but I, I can't turn a blind eye to some of those games where he's scoring, you know, New Mexico two points, NC State yeah. three points, Indiana two points, where it's just kind of like you're the starting shooting guard playing 30-plus 30, 30 minutes of the game, and there needs to be more than that. Um, so, I, I love Brad Davison as a player. I think he, when he's on, he is an extremely, extremely talented player. Um, but the consistency part drives him down to a B for me. Uh, I also look at that whole groin uh, hitting, punching, whatever um, issue that happened at Iowa. Uh, that really put the team in a bind. They had that game, uh, had a chance to win that game um, prior to that, and that was just such a silly thing. His teammates rallied around and helped him in the Michigan State game, but I'm going to go with a B um, just because of everything that I said. I think he's still a guy who, who could explode and have a huge senior year, especially if he can get back to uh, the way he was shooting his freshman year. Um, I don't know if he needs to re-separate his shoulder or what's going on there, but um, it's he's he's a guy who he has good size at 6'4 and can really do some good things um, in the shooting department when he's on. I mean, how 11 of 17 from the field against Nebraska, eight three-pointers. That, that's, that's, that's in fuego right there, and they need um, a few more outputs like that where they can get in the 20-point range um, and he can get hot from three more often because he, he can really do it, and they need that uh, from time to time from him. So I'll go with the B, but I, I can understand higher um, for him definitely. Because of yeah. you look at like the Maryland game, he hits that game winner. I mean, he single-handedly – did some crazy stuff down the stretch of that game, and that was some of the coolest and headiest basketball I've ever seen from a player in a in a big time moment. But I'm just going to go with a B. Um, but I could be swayed. 
Yeah, and I I agree with you to an extent. I had him as a, I I couldn't decide on a C plus or a B minus. I think part of the aspect of C plus for me is sometimes I expected a little bit more out of uh, Brad Davison. You know, like you said, you know, starting shooting guard, playing upwards of 30 minutes a game. Sometimes you, you need more from him, and uh, I expected a little bit more. So that might be more of a me thing where my expectations for him coming into this season were a little bit higher than, than what we got. But at, at, at times we saw it, so you can't drag it down too much. So a B- minus or a, you know, a B uh, is, is a fair assessment. I think part for me, too, is, is you mentioned the Iowa situation. I thought we were kind of beyond that um, after you know two seasons ago with the incidences, and, and that just kind of drives me nuts. Um, it it just kind of you know bothered me and stuck with me when we keep having this as as a junior um, for for a program like this. You don't want to see that. And I love Brad Davison as a player, but I can totally see why other fan bases cannot stand him at times. So um, I I went with a B minus in that regard. But again. It, if he's more consistent, if he plays the way you know he can, he would have been, uh, you know, a slam dunk A. It's just a matter of, of getting more from him. You know, next year he's going to be a senior shooting guard again. He's going to be one of the top scoring threats. So I think expectations coming to next season for me will be even higher. It's just a matter of can we put the little silly things behind us and focus on uh, playing basketball and, and scoring the basketball and doing all the things, taking the charges playing the defense, because when he's doing that, he's he's a great uh, talent in the Big Ten. No doubt. All right, let's get into the next player. I think this kid was exceptional this season, especially down the stretch. Uh, just incredible to watch. I think of his performance at Michigan where he was you know, playing you know, solid defense against Xavier Simpson. I know Simpson seemed to score at will against Trice, but those two going back and forth is excellent to watch. Uh, and Demetri Trice distributing the basketball this season was was phenomenal to watch, especially that those last ten games. I think was some of the best basketball he's played in his career. So, Matt, what did you make of Demetri Trice coming into the season? Because I know early on he struggled, but down the stretch he was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we had we had noted that he was struggled kind of coming out the gates, and then he really found uh, his role, and I think. Part of that was Micah Potter, just having that guy who can pick and roll um, with. Um, he had some just beautiful passes this year. Um, you know, I think in the the left-handed, um, one-handed pass to to um, Potter for the dunk. I mean, you saw I, – I went ahead and did the top plays. It could have very easily been just him, his passes, because he had so many really, really good passes this year. Um you know, he, he had his games where he did explode for the big scoring outputs, but that's really not his game most of the time. He, he is a, he's a good jump shooter, but he is a player um, similar to like a Trayvon Jackson where he's really a good distributor. He's not going to wow you um, with anything crazy, but he does a really good job um, of not turning the ball over and distributing nicely for his um, um, teammates. You, you look at he had multiple games of seven-plus assists, he almost had the triple-double against Nebraska the first go-round where he had 11, 10, and 7. Um, so I, I'm going to go with uh, – it's uh, tough. I'm going to say B+. Plus. Uh, it's hard for me to get into the A's for a lot of these guys. Um, so I'm going to say B+. Plus. I think he really rebounded nicely. If if he had played like he did those fat, the last 
probably 15 games or so from the Michigan State game on, um, I, I would probably go higher for him. But there was just times earlier in the season where they took him off the court and he wasn't even out there um, and, and was kind of non-existent, couldn't get anything going, um, and, and wasn't even getting the assists going either. So that leads me to go B plus, but I could definitely go higher. Um, I, th- I think his development was nice as the season wore on, and I think next year it's it's going to be really impressive to see what he can do because um, you you see some of these guys um, coming back, and you see the the arsenal he has around him with Micah Potter and Nate Reavers and Brad Davis and Aline Ford. I, I think they can do some damage, and I think he's a big reason why if he can continue to. Um, stay hot from shooting, but also distribute the ball nicely and not let the ball get um, bogged down with just uh, dribbling around. Yeah, I would agree with you. I had a B-plus as well. Um, I think his his final eight games uh, really really sparked the season. You know, you look at early in the – or mid of the, middle of the season, that at Penn State, uh, Maryland-Michigan State stretch that the Badgers had – he, while they won two of those games, he was kind of non-existent in those. And I think that uh, after that, he kind of found his, his spark and his role a little bit more. Uh, and then things really took a turn. You know, that Iowa game where, where Kobe King left, everyone else kind of adjusted their roles. And then from there, this team kind of started to figure things out. I know that Minnesota game is kind of the weird outlier in that stretch. Um, but for the most part, when he got things going uh, – he, he was really distributing the basketball well, and I think as the point guard, that's your your primary role. And then to go and, and play defense against some pretty solid um, you know guards in the Big Ten. You look at the guys that he had had to guard night in and night out. Um, I know sometimes those guys would score, but he still did a good job, and there was nobody else on this team that could take on uh, the Anthony Cowans, the Cassius Winstons, and, and Xavier Simpsons and guard them. You know, if you didn't have Demetrius Trice to be there as that uh, athletic guard, it would be it would be hard pressed to find a guy that could take on those matchups. So, if he can come out next year the way and play the way he did over this final eight game winning streak uh, with that combo working with Potter and some of those other guys, I think Demetrius Trice next season could be an All Conference Big Ten player, and it's just a matter of of playing consistently and, and playing in his role that is, is kind of already established for the 2020-2021 season. Yeah, for sure. Does that just leave us with Reavers left? That leaves us with the 6'11 forward Nate Reavers. Um, coming into the season, uh, I thought he would be uh, a player that Wisconsin w- would lean on heavily. I think he would have had, I said a couple times, I think he's going to have to be the best player on the team. I don't necessarily know if he was that, but overall he had a pretty consistent season. So what did you make of uh, the season for Nate Reavers this past year? So I don't know where you're going to go with in terms of your grading, but I'm going to give Reavers an A. Um, And I know that that might not be the same route that you're going to go. And I think that Nate Reavers definitely has um, room for growth, uh, especially in the rebounding department. I think – you know, being 6'11", he's, he's got to do a better job of being that that uh, focal front court presence and and holding down the rebounding department. He, he's great at blocking shots. He, he's shown that he can do that and interrupt um, down low. I, I thought the place where he improved the most was defensively. Um, you know, he actually lost weight for this year compared to the year before where he had really bulked up. You know, but he got stronger, you could tell. Um, he went up against just 
just a freaking gluttony of guys coming at him in terms of the centers and bigger forwards in this league. You think of, of Luca Garza, you've got Daniel Turu, you got Caleb Weston. I mean, the list goes on and on. Xavier Simpson. And the dude was just battling them. You, you look at the fact that the first 10 games, he also was without Micah Potter. He was basically had to do it all uh, in inside with Micah Potter off the court. Um, he was still the guy that they called upon um, when they needed defensive stops. You saw that block against Daniel Oturu, um, who is an NBA caliber forward. Um, he, he led the team in points. He ended up leading the team in rebounding, not necessarily been the, on a per-game basis, but um, in, in total. Um, he led the team in blocks by a crazy margin. I, I think he was the most important person on this team played nearly 30 minutes per game as a big man. That's not easy to do. Um, was a presence inside and out. Um, you saw saw him get uh, the little baby hook with the left uh, hand more often. I, I think he is poised to, to be a, a higher um, scoring threat next year even. This year he scored 13. I wouldn't be surprised if he's closer to the 16-17 mark next year if he continues to progress the way he has. Um, especially with the way that they probably have some younger guys who can possibly take a load off and not make him uh, have to be on the court quite as much. I, I think Nate Reavers, um, to me, was – I know Micah Potter was my MVP just because of what he brought to the team and the energy boost and, and everything he brought and how he changed the complexion of their season. But Nate Reavers was there from day one, and he held his own against a really, really good um, list of front court players in the conference – uh, and nationwide, really. Um, and he's a guy that I think uh, is was just so vital to what this team had. And because of that, I'm going to go with an A. Um, I, I know that that's probably a little high compared to what others might give, but I, I think just what he did offensively leading the team and at times when they needed buckets, he would get them. Um, and as, as well as staying out of foul trouble and having to – um, take on so many t- talented front court players. He he gets my vote for the the lone A that I'm giving out in this exercise. Yeah, you kind of swayed me on that because I originally when I when I sat down to do this, I originally had Reavers as a B minus, and then I looked at some stats. I was like, well, no, that's not fair. He's he he had pretty consistent output scoring wise, rebounding. I, that was you know kind of my only knock on him at times, but. Over the course of the whole season, he was pretty consistent. But then when you mentioned the guys that he went up against is is a great point because this league, while it had some talented guards, it really had some some great bigs. I mean, you talk about uh, Garza, Colburn, all these guys were were talented. Caleb Weston was a guy that you know two you know last year was was. Uh, you know, an all-conference player at times, Daniel Oturu, Jalen Smith. There were there was a lot of talent in this league that uh, Nate Reavers, you know, despite looking like compared to a lot of those guys, ath- pure athlete-wise, you look at those group, uh, you wouldn't take Nate Reavers over him. But Nate Reavers, you know, output-wise and stats-wise was right up there. And, and that was why he uh, was, was a third-team, you know, all-conference selection. So you kind of swayed me. I originally had him as just a solid B. Um, I don't know if I'd put him all the way up to an A, but I think that might give me put me at like an A minus because uh, when you when you think about the players that he went against and his consistent output all season, because um, a lot of these guys again had 
very up seasons and very down portions. Nate Reavers was pretty consistent, so I'll give him uh, an A uh, for that, and that wraps up our uh, player grades for the season. Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead. To to talk to his consistency as well, he was in double figures um, scoring in in all but seven games out of yeah. the 30, 30 games, and two of those were, were where he had nine points. So it's not like he was ever really, really drastically bad. Um, he, he was always just a huge part of their rotation and played an absurd amount of minutes this year for how um, – for his size, and and so I think I think uh, I understand where people would put him in the in in the B range, and but I, th- I think just because of how important he was and what he did with Micah Potter out, I mean, there was a time when it was a lean forward or Tyler Wall and him at, at on the inside, and let's be very real, neither of them are the defensive presence inside that uh, you need in the Big Ten, and Nate Reavers was able to hold his own. Yeah, especially against, like, the group that, you know, we've already talked about. Some of those guys were dominating big men, and and they, you know, stood there and and held tall against some matchups where you would not uh, think Nate Reavers and Tyler Wall uh, would be able to do so. Um, that wraps up our grades, but I, I wanted to quick touch on, I think we both probably have the uh, an agreement for the coaching staff and Greg Gard. Where would you uh, grade them based on this entire season? I'd have to go with an A. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I think there's just the sheer chaos that was around them um, that was out of their control for most of it. You know, look at the Howard Moore family tragedy, um, the way that they um, rallied around Howard's son and helped him be part of everything. Um, you look at how they kind of rallied around one another after Kobe King left, how they um, navigated everything that was happening around them and the fire guard chants and their and the um, and the booze and all the other stuff. It's it's crazy to think of where they were at the end of the season. So I would have to go with an A. Um, you you look at um, the fact that this team tied for first place in the conference while not having a player on the first or second team, all Big Ten teams, it's remarkable. And the, it's a credit to the coaching staff. You know, we can go, we could go through each individual um, guy if we wanted to, but I think it, it really, as a collective, it, they get an A in my book. Oh, most definitely. There. I, I knew we'd be in agreement, so I don't need to touch on anything more because uh, they, they did a phenomenal job battled through so much all season long. It's not like it was all uh, the beginning of the season or all mid-season and then things took around. It was it was consistently you know, battling through things both off the court and on the court, and uh, I can't applaud them enough. I know there were a couple times in the season where things were frustrating, but this team battled back and, and took home a share of the Big Ten title, and, and Greg Gard won Big Ten Coach of the Year. So I think that in itself you know, puts this coaching staff at an A. So... That wraps up our group. Anything you want to touch on with the non-rotation players, McGorry, Ballard, Hedstrom, Cuevas, Higginbotham, or any of those guys? Uh, Higginbotham, A for dance moves. Um, he's <laughs> the guy who um, rallies them before games. Um, and I'll give Michael Ballard a C for his traveling layup. 
Um, but he also was uh, the first guy to meet most of the players coming out of the tunnel. So I'll, I'll go. Those are the only two I'll give a, a grade quick to. Um, no need to talk about Joe Hedstrom or anybody else right now in my eyes. Yeah, I agree with you. Ballard was uh, excellent in that game. I think he got that uh, covered that spread in that Northwestern game. So uh, I have to give uh, at least a B to him. And uh, you need those, you know, those glue guys on the bench that that aren't going to get in but bring the bring the energy. So um, that wraps up our episode in terms of grades, guys. Uh, we've got some stuff in the works for our Thursday episode. So. Uh, Stay tuned. We're going to keep bringing you guys podcasts, as we've mentioned already. I know it's a little slow in the sports sphere, but at the same time, this gives us opportunities to talk about more stuff and more in-depth and and give some grades and, and that such. So thank you guys, as always, for listening on Wisconsin.